Welcome to the Dell Technologies Healthcare Power Chat podcast series, where you hear from the experts about healthcare technologies. Hello, everyone. Bruce Hall here, and welcome to another Dell Technologies Healthcare Power Chat. And today we're going to discuss capitalizing on the healthcare research data opportunity with Dell partner Mark III. And our guests are Holly Newman, who's the U.S. healthcare client leader for Mark III, and John Pace, Ph.D., who's a senior data scientist with Mark III. How are you doing today, Holly and John? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having us. Great, and thanks for being on the podcast. Could we start with a little bit of your backgrounds, please? And Holly, why don't we start with you? Sure. Hi, I'm Holly Newman. Before coming to Mark III, I served as the research technology director at a large academic medical center in Houston, Texas. In that role, I did everything from implement EMRs to stand up research-specific information systems and use that knowledge with customers now, understanding both the clinical and research sides and also the technology sides. And John, some of your background, please. My name is John Pace. I am Senior Data Scientist for Mark III Systems. I have a PhD in quantitative biology. And in my work, I studied the evolution of DNA. Uh, using machine learning techniques and statistics and and using those same sort of machine learning and deep learning now to help customers all over the country with their research projects. John, why don't we start with you? We're talking about research data. Can you help us define data that's used for clinical and hospital settings compared to data used for research? The data that's typically used for clinical is very, very structured. Things like, what is the patient's name? What is their temperature? What time was the temperature taken? Whereas with research data, it's a lot more fluid. You may have a project and you think, I need this data to begin with. You start with that. You start conducting experiments and realize, oh, wait, I need this other data. Or I need to drop this data because it's not important. The data is always changing. So it makes it a little more complicated to come up with models and things that are just sort of cookie cutter. You've got to be very fluid and very adaptable to make your data work with what you're trying to accomplish. We're talking about two camps of data from the research and the clinical sides, respectively. Can you help us understand the flow of data between these camps? And Holly, why don't we start with you from the clinical side? A large amount of the data that's used is the primary source is on the EHR side. Generally, you start with that EHR data pool and then build your models from there. If it's not in just the EHR, the sources may be PACs or maybe another ancillary system that feeds into the EHR and gets consolidated into one record. That gets tricky when you're going over to the research side to do queries, things like that, getting access to data. Most of the time, the data is very siloed. And John, can you give us the perspective of data flow from the research side? So imagine this, you have a group of researchers that are studying some sort of bacterial infection. And they realize that this infection or this bacteria tends to attack the digestive system of people. And the doctors have seen that. The doctors are noticing that these people have this bacterial infection, it's usually in the digestive system. But then the researchers continue that and they start to realize that, oh, hey, look, this bacteria can also affect the heart. The two are actually linked together. So that data can then come through the literature or however to the clinicians who can start to see and piece together that, oh, yeah, we saw this person who had this digestive problem. But in 10% of the patients, they also had a heart condition along with it. The link can be established between those two things, which can then, of course, better clinical outcomes. Doctors can know beforehand what they're going to need to treat in a more proactive manner. Another question for both of you about data access. If you're on the clinical side, it seems like it would be hard to get at the siloed research data and vice versa. Thoughts on this? And Holly, why don't we start with you? Getting data out and getting approved for that data is usually one of your most difficult hurdles (laughs) to get to. It's something that people have been struggling with for a really long time. 
knowing what to ask for is also tricky and then knowing exactly which system to get it out of is tricky and i think too when research teams go to do a data poll they don't get to just survey the whole population of patients within a clinical system they have to have builds that they are looking at they have to identify what they're trying to pull and what they're going to do with it and john your perspective on getting at this data from the research side, the challenge of getting access to the data is by far the most frustrating part. Hospitals and you know, health systems and universities that work with hospitals in the health system, they have access to the data and they can do the analysis, they can do whatever needs to be done. But that's a pretty small group of people being able to do that. There's a lot of other companies out there that are very, very good at doing AI or machine learning that could help out. I'll give you one example. One of the things that work's being done on is it involves natural language processing. And the idea is to be able to read doctor's notes, the chart notes, and make conclusions based off of that. Say you have a physician who went to school in Oregon and one who went to school in Florida. They may be talking about the same exact condition or symptom or whatever it might be, but they use a slightly different term for it. Like, for example, one may always say myocardial infarction, the other may always say MI, but they mean the exact same thing. So can the records be read through natural language processing? And know that those are the same thing to help the conclusions to be made based off of that. The groups that are working on this are in universities or they're in hospital systems, and that's it. If that data could be opened up, whether it's be identified or whatever, two companies specialize in natural language processing and in those type of things, the healthcare could be made much better, I think, just because you've got more people working on it, and especially ones that are completely world-renowned experts on that subject. And all of that could be brought in, but they can't get access to the data. John, let's stay with you for this next question. We know that there's research going on. There are discoveries being made on the research side. How do those discoveries using that data feed the clinical side of a typical healthcare organization? As far as the research side goes in that feeding the clinical information, research nowadays with all the computing power that's available, research groups are able to get very, very fine resolution structures for various proteins or for viruses or whatever it might be. That data can then be taken to the pharmaceutical companies who can then engineer medications that will effectively combat whatever that might be. As they develop these new drugs, those drugs can then be used by the clinicians. And that's something that's pretty new. Before, in the drug development, there would have to be a lot of trial and error to see maybe this will work, maybe that'll work, maybe this won't work. Now, they can focus it a lot more granularly in order to develop medicines. And of course, all of that goes to the clinical side because now rather than having to do trials on 100 different medicines, maybe they're able to nail it down to three and patients start getting better much quicker, hopefully. John, one more question for you. How are artificial intelligence and machine learning used to drive insights with this data? AI and ML are really allowing researchers to do things that weren't possible, say, even 10 years ago. The computing power that is available right now is so much faster than it was and so much more stuff can be done in a shorter amount of time. One common example or one common problem that groups are working on is trying to predict readmission. So if a hospital has a certain number of patients readmitted within 30 days, they can be fined. So they want to make sure that when patients are released, they're not coming back. They're being treated as well as possible. Well, now with AI and ML and the computing power that we have, rather than trying to figure this out based off, say, 10,000 records, it can be done based off a million records in order to make better models. They can also do it where they build a model for a hospital in Texas and then a different model for a hospital in New York and a different one in Georgia. And they're able to do all of that because of the power and because of the ML techniques that have been developed. Holly, question for you. Can you tell us about Mark III's approach to making clinical data available to the research side? 
In working with Dell Technologies in that strong partnership that Mark III and Dell Technologies has built, we really approach it a little bit more from the workload side. We start with what are the teams working to do? What are the challenges they're facing? And then utilize our collective skill set, especially, you know, leaning on John with his data science background and then my background more on the operational side of how the hospital systems work and function. Really approach it from that application side and data side down to the equipment level, meaning once they have the data, then how do we make them be able to gain insights faster? which is where you'd be looking at things like GPUs, really fast storage, really fast compute, tools that would enable them to schedule jobs and manage clusters and workload schedulers, those types of things. How do they make their data runs and their work faster? Because the faster they can get through their experiments to get closer to a discovery is really what we're trying to help people do. Thanks for that, Holly. John, turning back to you, how can research groups get started with these tactical data projects and how do they show successes? The easiest way to get started is kind of go for the low-hanging fruit. You've got researchers who are very, very good at what they do, typically some sort of biology or chemistry or whatever it might be. Maybe they're very good at determining which drugs can kill cancer cells, but they're not an expert in computer vision, which is something that they can implement and augment their work with in order to make them more successful. Things like just bringing in, helping customers implement computer vision into their workflow and into their research is something that we can do to help them out. And then even things like showing them how to move their data processing from the CPU to the GPU. We've seen instances where people have been able to, through like systems biology and modeling or whatever it might be, take jobs that were running for two or three weeks and get them results, move that over to the GPU and get it down to just several hours. This is really all about productivity. People's health is on the line, grants are needing to be written and people need to be funded. All of that works together for the ultimate goal of making people well. And we can help in that process along the way and augment and help people with their expertise that they already have. Question for you, Holly. Let's say a project has been identified. How can Mark III help tailor the infrastructure required to make that project successful? We would look at the workload. Is it something that can be GPU-enabled to help faster insights, getting their runs, their pipeline, and their processes to run faster? So using that GPU-enabled hardware, and then also looking at what is their current platform? Is it something that we can help refresh and modernize with faster storage? You don't want those GPUs to be sitting cold. So what is the storage that's feeding those systems? And of course, compute. Not all workloads are ready for GPU or are currently coded to use the GPU. So looking at their compute structure as well and seeing what platforms we can look. I call it the handshake. We've got to have the workload and then scope that out to make sure that we've got the hardware to support them. Also, what we found really useful is holding education workshops. That's something that Mark III can help design specific to the institution along with our Dell teams is, are there any areas of deep learning or computer vision? Is there a need for just high-level understanding of what that is and if it could be applicable to what they're working on? Could it change the way that their work is being done right now? And then also we can pair up John with some of their research teams if that's of interest and spend some just one-on-one true data science time together. That sounds great, Holly. Where could listeners go to learn more about getting at this clinical and research data and how Mark III could help? Check us out on our website at mark3sys.com. That's going to be M-A-R-K-I-I-I-S-Y-S.com. John and I are both on LinkedIn. So again, it's Holly Newman or John Pace. And then John also has a blog, ironmanjohn.com. And then his Twitter handle is at PaceJohn. So we'd love to hear from you all. 
Holly Newman, U.S. Healthcare Client Leader for Mark III Systems, and John Pace, Ph.D., who's a senior data scientist also for Mark III. This has been some wonderful information on the data used in clinical and hospital settings versus the data used for research, what are the challenges in getting that data back and forth, and Mark III's solutions. I'd like to get your final thoughts, and Holly, why don't we start with you? If you have current projects you'd like to talk about, we'd love to talk about them with you. Research teams are very focused on their science. I always say, let us help you with the technology to support your science. And John, your final thoughts? We're in an amazing time right now. Computing is so amazing with GPUs and everything else. And we're able to help researchers to do their work more efficiently and quicker. And we want to help whoever we can with that. And feel free to reach out. I love to help. Okay, we'll leave it there. Holly and John, thanks so much for being on the podcast, and hopefully we can have you both back on a future Dell Technologies Healthcare Power Chat. Sounds great. Love to. Sounds great. I would love to do it as well.